Unlock the past and safeguard your memories with ScanMyPhotos.com. Here's our special promo code, GODIGITAL, to get a whopping up to 50% off your photo scanning order. Don't let your cherished moments fade away. Digitize them now with precision and care. Whether it's old slides, photos, or films, bring them into the digital age and relive those precious memories. This is an affiliate promotion, meaning we may earn a commission if you take advantage of this fantastic deal. Act fast, preserve your history, and save big with Go Digital at ScanMyPhotos.com. Hi, I'm Maureen Taylor, the photo detective. I really love family photographs, all of them. From the mystery images you find in shoeboxes and albums, to the pictures you snap with your digital devices. No mystery is too small. A simple question about an image can lead to new stories of your ancestors. This means you can count on me to help you identify the people in them, offer solutions for preserving and organizing them, and yes, even guide you in the various ways to gather and share picture stories with your relatives. My guest today is Kathy Amoroso. She is of the Maine Memory Network. And if you have Maine ancestry and you have not checked out the Maine Memory Network, you are definitely missing a resource that would be valuable to you. So, Kathy, thank you so much for being on The Photo Detective. Thank you. So tell us something about yourself and about the Maine Memory Network, and we can jump into talking about it. Sure. So I'm a Maine native, born and raised. I did leave to go to college in Florida for a bit, University of Miami, studied video production, actually, and psychology. And when I graduated, I ended up working first for a video company, and then uh, it turned into a website development company. So it was, I was still able to use my skills and using the psychology part was big in the usability and trying to make websites user-friendly. So I got involved with the Maine Historical Society at first by making a video back in the 90s for their capital campaign, helping them. But then I really loved the place and started doing my own genealogical research and got to know people and then started helping them with usability testing on the very beginnings of the main memory network. And then one day they said, hey, would you like a job? We just applied for a grant and we'll find out in a few months. And it is to go around the state and train other historical societies, museums, libraries, and archives how to contribute to this website we're calling the Main Memory Network, which would be will be a collaborative online museum. It is amazing. I mean, you started it in what, 2000? Is that when it 2001 was when it actually launched. 1999 was when it started being developed. Yes. Right. So I remember it all the way back in 2001. And you've just continued to add content and to build the the collaborative relationships with historical societies and other small groups across the state of Maine. And Maine is no small state. 
Not at all. So when I had to do the outreach, we, you know, we started with just the Maine Historical Society. We had maybe, I want to say maybe four pilot contributors, Maine State Archives being one. And I think there were a few other small historical societies. And it was my job to train them and then reach out and do all the outreach and travel around. But because Maine was such a big state, I wasn't going to drive six hours often to get to Aroostook County. So we actually had money to hire two part-time outreach coordinators. We planted one in Aroostook County and one in Washington County and Knox County. So she did what they call down east, the, the eastern coast. And we had a gentleman who worked exclusively with Aroostook County folks. And I think the first year we were able to get about 70 contributors trained and had them have a presence on Main Memory Network. And now we have 270 organizations and about 15 individual contributors, which we opened it up to individuals a few years ago. So if someone has a collection of main memorabilia, they can contact the main memory network and become an individual contributor? Yes. So we have on our website, it says share your history and you can select whether you're a organization or you're an individual. And there are two ways individuals can contribute. One is you become what we call it an official contributor where you have an, a password protected area where you upload and catalog your items as you want to, and you can go back and edit them. And it's when you have pretty much more than 10 items. And we would also train you how to scan to the standards that we need, scan or photograph. Or if you just have one or two things, we have another form where you can just send that item that you've scanned, ideally to the standards we have listed, and answer a couple questions about the items. And that will send it as a what we call a onesie, just a, a one-off item that you might feel you can you want to share. But also, if you just want to share your story of Maine, you can do that yes. as well. Because you say, my yes. Maine stories. I love this website. It's it's always been easy to use. It has featured collections and exhibits that you can search online and look at my Maine stories, which is what I was just mentioning. So that if you wanted to tell your story of growing up in Maine, you could do that or anyone could. Yes, exactly. So someone could talk about what they remember when they vacationed here, when they grew up here. Some people have submitted stories of how they played sports on certain high school teams here. And you can send it in as the written word with a few pictures if you have them, no pictures if you don't. You can record audio on a phone or you can record video and send it in as a video file. And then we add a little what we call metadata, which is the, the information, title, description, that kind of thing. And it can be added to the rest of the stories, which I think we have probably at least over 150 at this point. Wow. So I like to ask everyone at Historical Societies, what's their favorite part of the website? Do you have a favorite collection that's been added? I would say my favorite part is probably a project that I helped organize and put together after it kind of ran in disarray were the 1924 Portland tax assessor records. We worked with the city of Portland and they had over 20,000 
records and pictures of every taxable property in the city. And so that, what a great resource. And they were just crumbling and falling apart at City Hall. I had actually used them several years before doing my own research and remembered these records. And when they approached us and said, we'd like to get these up on Main Memory Network, it's just a huge project. We need some help managing it. We ended up, they, Portland Public Library was also involved and we had, it was sort of a, a work study type project. There were volunteers doing most of the work and it was just taking a very, very long time. People didn't really have a schedule. And then we took it under our wing and really made it a priority, hired a couple people that did nothing but scan these cards. There's a front, a back and a photo of every card. So, you know, there's 20,000 times three and you can look up different addresses and find out who owned it, what architectural style it is, what condition it was in, see a photo of it. And then on the back of the card, there's a little drawing of the layout of the house. So I, they're just a huge resource, a, pretty much a big seller. People want photos of their house. So we do offer, you know, you can buy prints of them. And yeah, it's just a great resource for anyone renovating a house, buying a house, if they want to see what it looked like in 1924. There are several other cities in Maine that did this, but they're not accessible online. I would love to get them online. I know Lewiston did this. Bridgeton has actually started putting theirs up on Maine Memory Network. I think some of the major cities definitely did this. And it was usually around the 20s and the 30s. So the, the Bridgeton ones were 1930. I think Lewiston was 1936. And But right now, they're pretty much hidden in the archives of tax assessor city offices. What an amazing resource, though. So one reason it's one of my favorites also is it's not just the houses, but if you start perusing through the images, you'll see people. So it's very much like the Google Street View of 1924. You'll see people on their steps sitting there. You'll see kids playing in the street. It's the, basically the photographer went out and said, oh, I got to take a picture of this house and I don't care who's in front of it. <laughs> so you'll also find this one woman, we would love to find out who she is. In many, many of the pictures, we think maybe she was writing on the cards while the photographer was taking the picture, but she's got the same hat, the same coat, and you can follow from house to house down a certain street, and she's in almost every single picture. And it's like, oh, who is this woman? We would love to find out who she was. Was she employed by the city? In 1924, to be employed by the city, a, a woman doing something like that would be a big deal. Uh, I love the comparison to Google Street View, because instead of the little car going by with the camera, these two people actually went and did it. That's pretty amazing. And then you can go on and look at exhibits that is this just is this a main memory network exhibit or is this just Maine Historical Society? So you, anyone can put anyone, meaning contributors can put together online exhibits. And we have a whole separate tool that is password protected, where we train people to do the main memory exhibits. And they can use any item that is on main memory in their exhibit without asking permission. So if there's a topic someone is interested in, Civil War soldiers from Portland, they can use images that are up on main memory and write the text and we can help them put it online. So any contributor. Any contributor and an individual could do it too. We have a few individuals who had a certain passion and put together some some exhibits. You can create your own exhibit from like 
clicking on featured collections and then going in here and finding things that you're interested in. Like, of course, I mean, I'm really interested in early main photography. And you can put together an album. It usually starts with, if you sign up for an account that gives you unlimited number of albums. And so you can then add these items to an album. You can add text and annotate each item in the album. And then you can use the exhibit tool to make so that's more of like a magazine format with a page that then you can link to your album. So there's many levels of linking and telling stories and telling what you know about certain areas of history. You can kind of group items together. I love that because there are so many people who consider themselves, I'm going to put the quotation marks up, amateur mm-hmm. historians mm-hmm. who actually know so much about their area of interest. And so they can go on main memory and create their own online exhibit, probably profiles things in the collection. Maybe these organizations don't know a whole lot about, but this person with this specific deep knowledge does. Yes. And it's also used in schools. So a teacher can have Every student make an album, add annotations to each item, and then you can share your album with the teacher and they can open it and grade it and exhibit it. They could have a show and tell with the albums that the student made. We do have some student made exhibits on main memory also. So what a great way of great project. What, What a great way of teaching local history. I've worked with many schools. We had a project called the Maine Community Heritage Project where we got a grant and we worked with a school, a library, and a local historical society in various towns and cities around the state of Maine. They had to apply. They got a stipend to buy some equipment. And then for a full year, they would work, we would work with them and they would work with their students to create a whole site on Maine memory. So when you do a search, one of the little tabs says sites. So let's say you searched for Scarborough, Maine, you'll see a site come up. And a lot of those pages in that site were created by students during this project. Wow. What we will do a lot of times, so our curator, Tilly Lasky, will put together a physical exhibit. Mm. And then she turns that into an online exhibit using the labels she's created, using the items she's pulled from either our collection or other contributors. And sometimes that's a way we get more contributors by saying, hey, we had your items on loan in this physical exhibit. Do you mind if we digitize them and put them up on main memory network and make them part of the online exhibit? So then we the exhibit can live on after it comes down. So then... When you use the search box on the site, Mm -hmm. will it search everything, like even those online exhibits? Yes. So when you search, the search results have different tabs. You'll get historical items as one of the tabs, which are, you know, standalone items that hopefully will give you information about that item. Then you have the 1924 tax records as another tab because we felt that was large enough to warrant its own search results, kind of. Then we have exhibits and we have sites. And now we've added architectural drawings, architectural and landscape drawings, which is a new project, or I should say current project. We are digitizing all 750 of our architectural 
and landscape commissions that we have in our, our collections and building a whole new back end just for architecture. So if other organizations then come to us in the future and say, we have a collection of architectural drawings we'd like to put up, then it's uh, built for them too, because that has different metadata than other historical items do, such as a client, an architect, an address, things like that, that are specific to those drawings. What type of drawing it is? Is it an elevation? Is it a floor plan? Is it this, that, and the other thing? So those now are in their own tab. And the project that will be launched in August are the Northeast Boundary Collection documents and maps that are one of our most used collections. So that's a whole other project that we are in the process now of digitizing and adding all the, extracting all the names and making transcriptions and that type of thing. And we'll be putting those up and that will be another tab of some sort. So, and then it also searches exhibits and sites. Wow. So, so it, it is, ball- you can get into a rabbit hole. <laughs> so as ball- they said. ballpark, how many items do you think you have? Right now we have about 46,000. And I say items, that one item could be a letter with 10 pages. So that doesn't include every individual scan. Some places will say they have hundreds of thousands of items, but they are counting every little scan. We are calling, a letter is one item to us, regardless of how many pages. So we have about 46,000, which in some sense seems low, but we are also focused on quality. So high quality, really try to get a lot of metadata that helps a researcher and doesn't just put, here's a picture of someone sitting on a porch in Bangor. So we tell people don't put that up unless you know who they are and why they were important to that town. So we want people to answer the so what question. Except you have a mystery corner. And then we do have a mystery corner. How could I resist? I'm glad you mentioned that. So then there are things we don't know about. And that was part of an IMLS grant that came up and it was like, well, what do we do about these great images that we don't know something about? So then we will add what we do know and then tag it with a question and hope that somebody out there might be able to help us either identify the people, the place, the event, something along those lines. So those are in another area of the website. And we did, we've had a few solved mysteries. Yeah. The, the guys in front of the log cabin, the hunting camp in Limestone, Maine. That's a great image. Who are these two women? This is a labeled back just home from the war. This is how they labeled it. These two mm. women playing on the front steps with a flag and some top hats. These are great. Yeah, we had a, a, a picture of a little girl dressed in a nun's habit. And someone wrote in and said, oh, my gosh, that's my, I don't know if it's my grandmother, but like my great, great aunt. And she, I think she was still alive. The story is online and we were able to identify her and she told where she is now and what her story is. That's amazing. And we are very open to suggestions, corrections, or if you do know someone and can identify, we try to make it easy where you can just send us some information about who it is, what it is, that kind of thing. I can't wait to see what more stuff you're going to add. 
I know you've got plans. I know, I know you're reaching out to groups right now because that's part of what main memory does, right? Yes. And you just keep opening the door and saying, you must have more stuff you'd like to put online. Yes. And then we also have others that write to us and say, we really want to put our, our stuff up. We've heard about you for 20 years. We just haven't gotten our stuff together yet. And how do we get started? So we'll, and now with the advent of Zoom or not the advent, but the use. And now that people use Zoom a lot more, we can reach out around the state. I don't have those extra outreach people, but I can train people remotely now. Do you, have, do you know how many cities and towns there are in Maine? There's a lot. I, I don't, but I have heard there are about 900 roughly museums, libraries, archives, and historical so- societies that are potential contributors. Wow. And you've got 270 represented. Right. Exactly. So you got- on one hand, oh, 270 is great. It's like, but there are so many more. <laughs> <laughs> right. There's 270. It's great. But there are 900 at least. Yeah. Yes. So it's a ways to go. Anyway, there's always more. There's always more history. We've been been around for 20 years. We it's main memory is written into the operating budget. We're not going anywhere and it is free for organizations or individuals to contribute. We pay the server costs. We pay the upkeep costs. And at the moment, we don't have any plans on changing that. We feel it's important to offer this free resource for sharing. I think it is. I think it is. And I think it's a model for other states. Thank you for joining me on The Photo Detective. I know that anyone who has any sort of interest in Maine history and genealogy needs to check out the site and just be prepared when they do that they're going to lose some time. (laughs) They're definitely going to be on that site for quite a little bit. Please keep me posted. And next time I come to Maine, I'll stop in. Definitely. Thank you so much. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it on social media, leave me a rating and a review. And if you know of a friend or family member who's also interested in family photographs, share this episode with them too. See you next time. I'm thrilled to be offering something new. Photo Investigations. These collaborative one-on-one sessions look at your family photos. You and I meet to discuss your mystery images and find out how each clue and hint might contribute to your family history. And trust me, these images can reveal so much in your research. I have decades of experience in the photo, genealogy, and history industries. This is your chance to learn from me and discover the stories in your family images. You can find out more by going to MaureenTaylor.com and clicking on Family Photo Investigations.